This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham Power Hour is upon us. The number for the program, and it's important, be 844-SAY-ACCN. That's 844-SAY-ACCN as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. A lot of phone calls coming up this hour, Mr. Durham. Yes, sir, and it's been a busy 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to Matt Brown, to uh, Gabby Sanchez, and to Brian Pitsky for joining us. Uh, let's dive right in. Uh, Bill in Pennsylvania. Been waiting a while. Bill, thank you. Welcome to Packer and Durham. Uh, thank you to be on. Um, I, I think Pack hit the nail on the head when he said about one thing that is totally lost in this whole thing is education. And the reason I bring that up right, real quick is because when you see these kids signing for a particular college, XYZ or ABC college, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is when, when you ask them, why did you sign there for that school? The first thing that comes out of their mouth is, well, that school gives me the best chance to make it to the league. Is that why you're going to college, to make it to the league? And I think Pac's right on that. We've lost the reasons the reason why we have colleges to begin with. Um, the, this whole NIL thing, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a travesty, really, because it's something that I don't know how you're ever going to fix this thing. But here's one option. Why don't we follow the, the Ivy League program? They don't have problems with this, do they? No, because they don't give scholarships. No scholarships. Let the universities give the students a loan that want to go there. That loan, then would be paid back to the university, eliminate the federal government. You don't want to get Congress involved in this NIL because they got involved with student loans, and that's why we have such a loan problem in this country with students. Kids are going to school. They major in some class, some curriculum that has no, no way they're going to get a job in the curriculum they're majoring in. They're just not going to get a job in that. So they come out of there with a lot of debt, and, and that's why you have this loan problem. Same with college athletes. Why do we want to drag a kid through three years of classes, faking it all, faking it all, giving him classes that, you know, he, he really never, ever going to need? We drag him through that for three years, and then at the end of three years or maybe four years, he graduates. He has a degree, but it's, not, it's worthless. Why do we want to do that to a kid? Why don't we sit down with the NFL? Baseball does it. Baseball, baseball, college baseball is great, but the, M, the MLB has a minor league system, and that's where a lot of these kids should be going out of high school instead of going to college. Get the NFL involved here. If they really care about people and kids, let them set up a minor league program just like baseball has done. And now if a kid says, hey, I don't really want to go to class, I don't really want to get a degree – I'm going to go in the NFL minor league system. Why wouldn't that work? Tell me why that wouldn't work. And second of all, finally, as a taxpayer, I'm paying this kid's tuition, and now he's going to make $40,000 a year, as if someone said at Oklahoma, that's what they're going to pay them. $40,000 a year, and now I'm still paying for his scholarship. Uh, you get one dime from NIL, you lose your scholarship. Interesting. Bill, thank you for the phone call. Um, a couple points I would ret- have a t- retort here. Uh, 
The reason the NFL is not going to do that is because they don't have to. You know why? Because their minor league system is called college football. And you know how much money they have to put into that? Right there for them. Zero. Not a dime. Now, you may say, hey, listen, well, they need to. Well, that's all fine and good. Uh, but if you're the National Football League, college football and these universities are doing all the work for you. And you know what? They know they're going to get the best players in the world to play in their league. They don't have to put up a dime. That's all up to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, fill in the blank with your favorite school to supply it. How do I know that? Well, we just had the NFL draft. The top 262 selections were made. You had additional free agent signings afterwards. All that's compliments to college football. So they don't need to create a minor league system. The other point you made regarding these kids making the announcement, hey, I want to go to school X because it gives me the best way to get to the NFL. I will emphasize again, less than 2% of all student athletes go to play professional sports. If you're one of those lucky God-given, you've worked your tail off and you've kept developing and you make it to the NFL, the NBA, the WNBA, Major League Baseball, fill in the blank, good for you. But the other 98% bill aren't going to school X so they can go to play professionally. They're going to get, number one, a free ride to compete and hopefully get a great education. I'll say it again. The one thing I have not heard in the last couple of years when it comes to NIL, the transfer portal, is the word education. People are whispered in a lot of folks' ears going, Psst, man, you need to get out of that situation, man. You can't play for that coach. You need to come over here. Well, guess what? It's not my numbers. The NCAA just gave it to you two weeks ago. Since August of 2019 to July of 2021, 70% of every student athlete that said, hey, I'm out of here, has now found themselves not only not competing, but they don't even have an education. That is a disaster. That number is a Mm -hmm. disastrous number. So the next time he or she says, I need to get out of here. Forget this, man. I don't get a free break or whatever. Whatever the reason is legit, an excuse, whatever. Just keep in mind, when you walk, 70% of you, you know what? You're looking for a job because you have no place to play and you have no free education. That's called the real world. Uh, Mike in Kentucky joins us next. Mike, good morning. Welcome. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Good. Fine, sir. Okay. Um, uh, um, I know Packer was not able to uh, indulge himself, but I hope, that Mr. Durham, that you and your family enjoyed the bourbon balls I sent a couple months ago. Oh, I did. Go. You know what? Wait a minute. Now, I, I will tell you, you sent those. And, and let me, I was oh. not able to indulge, Mike, but you know who did? Robert and Captain Ron, because I passed them on, and I will tell yeah. you, they said they were Awesome, and I know they uh, were, so I appreciate that. I had one. Okay. I had one. Well, like I said, the reason I called was uh, the naming. Captain Ron stole them. Excuse me? I said Captain Ron stole those bourbon balls. I was only able to slap one of them, but you're good. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Okay, well, like I said, the reason I called was the naming image and likeness. Now, like I said, there's a lot of problems I have with it, but I'm not going to go over them all. But one problem I have – the biggest problem I have is how can you take a player in a team sport, just say lose football as an example, a quarterback, and pay him and not pay the offensive line an equal amount? 
Because, like I said, what is a quarterback without a good oh. offensive line? What is a receiver without a good offensive line? You know, what is a running back without a good offensive line? You know, these are, these guys uh, and defense players, they all have to uh, take the chance of getting hurt more than the quarterback and receivers and all that, to get, that are getting paid. So I don't understand that, how one person can get paid on a team sport and not everyone else get paid equally. Mike, you are speaking the exact thoughts of several college football coaches across the country because the most important thing that is starting to develop in major college football is the equity in the locker room among the team. Now, I will parken back to Kenny Pickett here, and we're going to we'll refer we'll refer to Kenny Pickett a lot when we talk about name, image, and likeness here because I thought and Mark and I talked about it last fall, Kenny Pickett did a terrific job of understanding name, image, and likeness within the team concept. Why? Did he get a truck? Yes. Did he have a charitable arm to his name, image, and likeness? Yes. But you know what else he did? He took all the offensive linemen to dinner. What was it, every Wednesday night, Mark, during the course of the season? I mean, he understood the equity in the locker room. Now, we haven't had Jim Laranega on this show. We haven't had Isaiah Wong on this show. We certainly haven't had Nigel Pack on this show. But the reporting on the Isaiah Wong potential transfer portal last week indicated that Miami had to find a way to get equity in the locker room. It's that simple. And the equity in the locker room continues to be one of the biggest concerns. It was one of the biggest concerns when this whole thing started, and now it's flourished as maybe a bigger concern because coaches want to make sure older guys, veteran guys, leaders, all these people, you just can't have the Johnny-come-lately slap down for 250 on the NIL pack and not have your league guy in your locker room not be an NIL guy, a guy who's recognized in the locker room as the leader of your football team. You have got to understand the equity in the locker room, and, and if that's not understood, you're going to have problems. And sure as we're sitting here, there's going to be a football team this year that we think is going to be really, really good and have an inside problem that may not be centralized because of a name, image, and likeness, but it's certainly going to be a part of it if they're not careful. If the coach doesn't take care of that, add it to the list of all the other things coaches got to take care of, we're going to have a name, image, and likeness problem affect a football team's outcome this fall. Well, I'm not going to name any names here, uh, but we heard, at least I did, multiple teams last year in college football where that was a problem. Um, And you could probably go back and look at a season like 21 and go, man, whatever happened to that team? Well, there were some issues in the locker room of of guys who were getting paid and others that were not. This is not an NBA situation. This is not the NFL where, hey, everybody that's walking through that door is making either hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of millions of dollars. This is a deal that folks are walking through the door where, hey, somebody's got a free truck and some other guy can't even afford to take his date to have a pizza. Uh, That's a problem. Um, And and you know what? If for coaches – they understand, you know what, I'm walking into a ticking time bomb. I just hope that, you know what, we have character folks on our roster that can understand that, that you do have leaders in that room that understand what kind of what Kenny Pickett did. Hey, listen, I'm getting a lot of accolades, but I couldn't do it without my guys around them. I remember we had Kenny on the show, and I kidded around with him. I said, dude, man, you, you, you know, I love what you're doing with your linemen, 
But next time you go in those steakhouses, dude, you got to order something that's got a bone in it. You can't be ordering hamburger and everybody else is ordering steak. But he understood the concept of team, right? Not everybody understands that. You know, not everybody comes from a background that you understand that, hey, what's mine is yours. We're in this thing together. So it is a chemistry deal. It's a kind of a ticking time bomb, I think, with every team in college athletics, given this name, image, and likeness. And you hope that you can keep this thing under control. Yep, I think you're right. More phone calls coming up. Riley in Virginia headlines a list. On the other side, we will talk about the transfer portal and more. Jordan Addison's entrance into the portal has sprung a lot of conversation. And what potential sanctions are on the back end of name, image, and likeness? All that and more coming up. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. It is a Wednesday edition. It's show number 621 for anybody keeping score. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. 844-SAY-ACCN. I know these topics uh, have everybody kind of buzzing one way or the other. You got an opinion one way or the other. So, Wes, we'll take some phone calls today and see what folks have to say. Yeah, let's get to uh, Riley in Virginia, who's been good enough to hold through the break. Riley, good morning. Hello, Wes. Great to see you back on the show. You had a little break. I hope you had enjoyed yourself. So I'm calling Thanks. in just because as a Virginia Tech graduate, we can talk about the Commonwealth Clash. We can talk about the battle for the Black Diamond. But Virginia Tech's biggest rival these past couple of years has been the transfer portal. You know, it's obvious mm. that the best way to compete in the league is to keep a talented quarterback in your system. We saw that with Sam Howell in Carolina. We saw that with Kenny Smallhands in Pittsburgh. And so watching what Hennon Hooker went and did at Tennessee was obviously like very heartbreaking for the Virginia Tech fan base. And when you see a player leave like that, I think the first reaction is to kind of bring back those old school rules that we did have where it was a grad transfer rule. You had to earn your degree before you could leave or, uh, you know, you had to have specific circumstances to allow you to leave or you had to wait out a year, whatever it might be. But the other side of that is that, a lot, of the, a lot of the past couple of years at Tech, while we were dealing with our transfer issues, that same time, Justin Fuente was going out and flirting with other schools. He was flirting with Baylor. So why is, should this player be stuck with this program if the coach isn't? Like, where, why does the commitment have to be all upon the players in order to stay there? And then another reason I feel like they opened up the transfer portal a lot was because for the big programs in college football, the waiver system – that they were using to grant players releases and the ability to transfer immediately was already such a farce for the big programs. Like a kid wants to go from Oklahoma to Georgia, fine, let him. A kid wants to go to Southern California to Alabama, granted a release immediately, he can go there and play right away. And then Virginia Tech had a big center guy, Brock Hoffman, try to transfer from Coastal Carolina to Virginia Tech. His mom wasn't very healthy, tried to grant a release waiver that he could go and play closer to home. And the NCAA said no because he was like 15 miles outside the range for like a medical hardship waiver or whatever it might have been called. So I feel like if I'm going to have a choice, I'd rather give the players more chance to empower themselves and empower their careers. And we're still working through a lot of those edges and some of the faults with that. But I think it's a move in the right direction to give them those choices. 
Riley, I appreciate the phone call. I, I would say there's a huge difference between being uh, an employer and a student. Um, to me, that, that's where I draw the line. Uh, you know what? When you've got a family, uh, you're employed by an, an institution or any other business, uh, it's different than when you're getting a free scholarship to be a student. Uh, th- to me, those are two separate animals. I know there's some folks that will bark wow. at me and say, oh, you're out of your mind. Oh, I'm not out of my mind. There's a big difference between being an employee and being a student. I said the other day, you want to straighten out this transfer portal? First things first, coming up with those windows, certainly important. But let's also understand, if you want to be treated like an adult, then let's treat you like an adult. You made a decision to attend School X, whatever that may be. The coach saw a bunch of uh, great-looking women on the campus, maybe saw a bunch of good-looking guys, whatever your reason is. Love the curriculum, the buildings, the architecture. I don't know. That's why you pick a school. But you pick the school, all right? If you decide to leave, I think there needs to be a repercussion. We didn't seem to have a problem, and all of a sudden you knew that, hey, if I'm leaving, I'm going to have to sit out a year. You want to straighten out the transfer portal? That'll do it in a second. Now, can you put the genie back in the bottle? I don't know if you can legally. That's above my pay grade. But if you want to straighten out the problem of everybody doing a mass exodus just because they're not starting, that will do it. And, and again, I got no problem yeah. with you having the ability to leave. If you need to go, go. If you want to get paid by another school, awesome. I don't care if it's a dollar or a million dollars, go for it. But there needs to be a repercussion that if you decide to leave, here are the rules. It can't just be, hey, you know what? I'm out of here. I mean, can you imagine if that held true uh, as far as uh, being married? Hey, you know what? I married this girl. I really think she's great. I love her. Man, this is nonsense. What did I sign up for? I'm out of here. And you can snap your fingers and walk. What would the divorce rate be in this country if that were the case? 95%? I mean, come on. There's got to be rules and regulations. There's got to be repercussions for being an adult and making a decision. If you want to straighten out the transfer portal, I don't think it's that hard. Now, it may be legally, but I think in concept, there needs to be windows adjusted for both the student-athlete's sake and the coach. But the student-athlete's got to understand, you're not an employee. You're not an employee. So if you decide to leave, there should be a repercussion that you need to sit out a while. Maybe you'll think about, hey, maybe I need to toughen this out a little bit. You know what? Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was, and the, the competition is better because I used to dominate in high school, and now all of a sudden I showed up on college campus and everybody's really good. Whether we're talking about women's tennis yeah. or football or anything in between. Sometimes in life, you've got to toughen it out. And I know in this day and age, it's easy to go, oh, forget it. Screw it. I'm out of here. And that's the easy way out. And that's unfortunately our problem. There's too many easy way outs. And that's a real problem. Hack, I think the other issue, too, not to counter Riley's uh, momentum here, but before the transfer portal was hatched, the NCAA was approving almost every transfer for immediate status based on coaching changes, right? I mean, it was rare that when a coaching change occurred at a school and a student athlete wanted to transfer – that the NCAA wasn't rubber stamping. Now, it wasn't always like that. Ten years ago, it wasn't as common. But in the years leading up to the portal, I'd say the last two or three years, Mark, I don't recall the NCAA stymieing somebody that wanted to transfer based on a coaching change, especially in football and basketball. So it, the coaching analogy changing address and that kind of deal, 
Look, we had Lincoln Riley go to Southern California and Caleb Williams following. Okay, I mean we we've kind of we kind of opened the door on that deal. So no kids being held against his will anymore, and certainly no coaches being held against his will when it comes to uh, to changing address. But Wes, uh, I, Wes, whoa, 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 Wes, yeah. hold on a second. I will say this in regards to Riley's call. The case with Hoffman was nothing more than the NCAA's inability to use common Being sense. Stupid. It, it, it was one of the right. dumbest stupid. things I'd ever seen. And to, to sit there and get uh, all caught up over 10 or 15 miles away, man, forget that nonsense. It was nothing more yeah. than common courtesy and common sense or the lack thereof with the NCAA. And I, I remember when all that went down, I thought that Hoffman absolutely got abused and, and really hosed on that deal. So did Virginia Tech. It made right. zero sense. Zero common sense. It's it. It's almost as ridiculous as the NCAA with all the stuff on their ledger that they decided they're going to talk about Nebraska number of coaches the other day. You know, I mean, we're going to go down that line again. You know, I mean, really, we got a few other things we need to handle before we do that. Right, Pac? Uh, Again, common sense uh, left the building a long time ago in Indianapolis. All right. Uh, Gerald in Maryland, before we get to our next break. Gerald, good morning. Good morning. And the previous caller, Riley, after he um, spoke, the response was, people are going to bark at me about this. So let me be the first to bark at you and say you are completely, totally incorrect. What we're experiencing now is a cascading consequences of it being business and money before the students. And the pendulum has now swung back towards the students. For, them, for anyone to say that the student athlete is not and actually that's in, that word was created by the NCAA to protect schools from liability, student athletes. It's a business. In every state in this country, the highest paid public employee is usually a coach. I live in Maryland. NIH is here. Johns Hopkins University is here. We have a coach, both coaches at all of our major universities are subpar, but they are the highest paid employees. We have an instance and we have a situation where students finally are empowered. Coaches are being paid millions of dollars. I'm an IT project manager. It's my job to manage my client's expectations. I need to keep my developers here. I need to recruit more developers. If a coach is worried about his current roster as well as recruiting, that's why he's being paid millions of dollars to do that. And guess what? It's not a team atmosphere in the sports complex because if it was, then lacrosse, tennis, swimming, gymnastics would be paying for themselves and not basketball and football paying for everything. And we also have to realize if it's about education, once again, cascading consequences, these athletes would be entitled to education for until they graduate. Because we remember, like you said, 10 years ago, a coach could leave and a student was stuck there. And then a new coach comes in and is like, eh, you're not my cup of tea. And the student, what, what's he to do? Now we have the cascading consequences of it. And guess what? It's a matter of, Pac, I will agree with you with this. They have to get in front of it. But the playing field has to be leveled in the interest of the students. Because guess what? Without that product, no one else is getting paid. 
Well, that, that part is true, but I do think that there would be individuals interested in being a part of an institution and a team. And I would also say this, Gerald, I don't think anybody would argue that today, this, this millisecond, the student athlete has never, ever had more power and oh, more control no than question. they have right now. And it's not even close. So, you know, for anybody to close. say, man, the student athlete's really in a terrible situation. Are you crazy? Uh, right now, uh, if you're 18 to 22 and you're on a college campus and you're on scholarship, you've never had it better. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. We'll take a break. More of your phone calls coming up. A lot of people with a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts. 844-SAY-ACCN on the heels of Jordan Addison's entry into the transfer portal and reported NIL packaging. Have we gone too far? That's next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Eight four four say accn a lot of you have thoughts on Portal. A lot of you have thoughts on NIL. Let's go to Jim in South Carolina if we can here. Jim. Uh, good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? We're good. What's going well, on? Well, thank you. Pack, you know, Wes, I just called to emphasize and agree with what you were saying, Mark. I got a buddy of mine whose kid is a kicker at UVA. Got the full ride. People don't realize these kids are getting paid to start with with this education. You know, you're talking three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars scholarship that that kid is getting to, uh, to take advantage of, and of course that's for the rest of his life. So I agree, there needs to be some kind of if you walk away from that. <clears throat> excuse me, if you walk away from that some kind of repercussion because right. <laughs> you put two kids through Clemson. I put two kids through Clemson. Yeah, Jim, like I said, if you want to get treated like an adult, Hey, have at it. Um, and, and, you know, life cannot be any better for your student athlete in this day and age, as far as name, image, likeness, transfer portal, uh, all the perks, especially if you're getting a scholarship, You've never had it better as a student athlete, ever. So if you decide to walk away from that, thinking that grass is greener on the other side, hey, go for it. I hope it works out. But the numbers are the numbers. Again, I'm not even an analytics guy, as you well know. But when the NCAA dropped that little nugget on everybody about a week and a half ago, that 70% of all student athletes in all sports that have entered the transfer portal have not found a place to land and have lost their aid, mm. it should be a wake-up call. And if somebody's whispering in your ear, some adult, some agent, some manipulator who says, hey, man, you need to get away from that school. That coach, is he's using you, whatever. And again, Correct. I don't care what the sport is. It doesn't matter to me. Just understand that, hey, when you leave and you turn your back on that opportunity, I hope there's a place for you. But if there isn't, Man, don't look around and tell you, man, the system screwed me. No, it did not. You made a business decision. And in this day and age, as an adult, you make decisions. You hope you get them right. You hope you're educated enough to figure it out and go, hey, should I go left or should I go right? Well, when you make a decision like that, there are repercussions. And I think that if, if college athletics 
wants to kind of straighten out the nonsense, hey, you need to create mm -hmm. repercussions. And that is, hey, we didn't seem to have a problem. When all of a sudden you decided to leave, you had to sit out a year, you knew what the decision was. I'm all for the ability to, for you to get up and leave. I'm all for you getting up to be able to make a dollar or $10 million in name, image, and likeness. But we can't have a situation where student athletes constantly are moving, coaches are constantly scratching their head, and everybody's losing. Student athletes are losing out at a 70% clip. Coaches can't figure out their roster. Guys, you got to have rules and regulations in place where this becomes a win-win proposition. It's great that student athletes can move and make money. It should be great for coaches to make a fortune and put together rosters that all of us as fans go, man, I can't wait to watch Florida State women's soccer, Clemson football, North Carolina Duke basketball, whatever it may be. But we're reaching the point where at the crossroads that you've got to start getting leadership in college sports that says, listen, we've got to put down some foundation, some guidelines and some rules and regulations, and all of us must follow them. And you know what? If you decide to break the rule and you're going to have some cool booster that says, ah, screw that, I'm going to go buy somebody, nonsense. You bury those people. You bury them. But you've got to be true to the rules, and that's what we're missing right now. That's what we're missing. Less than a hundred, less than a hundred days ago, Jim Phillips was criticized around the league, around the country, for apparently calling for some sort of step back and look at all of this. Right. Don't forget that. Jim Phillips, less than a hundred days ago, oh, Jim Phillips is holding up the college football playoff expansion. No, he wasn't. He was asking you to step back and look at the bigger picture, the bigger picture of the student athlete, the bigger picture of name, image, and likeness, the bigger picture of the transfer portal. That's all he was doing. And look at the calendar of football, all the things that have been discussed in the last 48 hours on the heels of this Jordan Addison story deal with all the things Jim Phillips said less than 100 days ago that were unanimously booed by people who thought he was holding up progress with college football. No, he wasn't. He was asking for guidelines. He was asking for some sort of structure about where college football was going to go. When did Bubba Cunningham come on here a year ago and say, hey, look, we got to look through some things at name, image, and likeness. This is maybe not a good idea if we don't get our arms around it. He then came back, what, pack three months ago, four months ago, and outlined two to three years being a bigger issue. We've got another two to three. We can't afford to go through two or three more years of this. We go through two or three more years, you're not going to be watching college football as you know it. It's not going to be happening. Because here's the other concern that's also not being discussed. PAC mentions education. Well, guess what? They're going to be institutions within the ACC, outside the ACC, in other conferences around the country who currently play in Power Five that are going to have to make decisions that will be directly opposite of their philosophical missions as universities. It's going to happen. If we stay on this track, schools are going to have to make decisions that are diametrically opposite of their mission as an institution. Just what it is. And that ought to be as big a concern as the 
the education fallout of this, the graduation rate fallout of this, all the stuff that is now coming down the pipe on the backside of the portal, on the backside of name, image, and likeness, because it has been, as one coach told us, Pac, last year, the wild, wild west. And that's exactly what it's become. And that is the tragedy in all of this. And if we get to a point where your school, I don't know who you pull for, Let's just assume you pull for an ACC institution. Maybe you're watching and you pull for another school in another league. But your school, and you know who you are, has to make that decision that they're not going to play this game. That'll be a tragedy too. Well, it goes back to what Jack Swarbrick, who I think is one of the smart guys in the room, uh, said to Sports Illustrated and Pat Forty two weeks ago about, hey, what he forecasted, what this could look like by the year, the mid-2030s. If we don't get a handle on this, we won't have to wait to the 2030s to watch what Division I college athletics looks like. It'll be here way before you know it. And I think Jack, doing his crystal ball, I think he was spot on with everything he said, 100% right. And like I said, there's certain people in the world of college athletics for me that when they speak, you should really pay attention and listen uh, he is certainly one of them. And that comment and what he said to Sports Illustrated two uh, weeks ago, go back and read it if you missed it because uh, it will be eye-opening for you. I promise you. Yep. Will in Florida gets us to the next break. Will, good morning. Uh, hello, good morning, sir. How y'all doing this morning? We're good. Fine, thanks. Uh, yeah, I just want to comment a little bit on uh, the, the, the subject you guys are on now. And I heard Mr. Packer uh, say about 70% of the students uh, that were in the transfer portal have not found their home. And, um, and they should make sure they're, they're making the right decision before they enter the transfer portal. The only problem that I have with that is that we're talking about 18 to 21-year-olds or 22-year-olds. And a lot of them come from not ever having – uh, anything in single parent homes, and that's fine. That's okay. But that's there's no one there to advise these kids or give them the, the point them in the right direction. And I don't think that's fair for you to put that kind of responsibility on them when when you got people out there dangling money, saying, "Hey, come over here." Of course, they're going to go where the money is. And when you start paying people to do a provide a service, then it comes down to quality. So the better the quality, the more money you're going to pay for it. So. You can't you can't blame that on the kids. You got to put this on the institution. And what they should have done from the get go is not pay them, but gave everybody a stipend. They should have went and said, "Okay, Power Five, we're gonna we're gonna allow you to give these students a stipend, and we're gonna make it even across the board. Every school's got to pay the same amount for a stipend. And if there's a conference that makes more money, then they should take the the bottom uh, the bottom tier uh, conference." And whatever they can afford or say, well, this is going to be the bar and set it there. And that's what they should have done. They should have just raised it. Where'd Will go? Um, The only thing I would say about all that is, again, everybody does come from a different economic background. Not everybody had a mom and a dad or a family backing. I get all that. I mean, that's, you know, that's unfortunately that's life. But if you're given an opportunity to get a free education, regardless of your economic background, why would you turn your back on it? I mean, why would you do that? Especially if you know the numbers, maybe if you don't even know the numbers, it's 70% is going to turn out to be a failure. That's a bad risk. That's always a bad risk. Yeah. 
always a bad risk. And I'm I'm not gonna break any news here, Will, but I'm gonna tell you right now, if you think that Greg Sankey or Kevin Warren are going to help balance the books of stipends for student athletes in Division One by opening up their checkbook to pay John Steinbrecher, the commissioner of the Mid-American Conference, so everybody can play for the same number? Not happening. That part's not happening. That equality went out the window when um, television contracts were established, values were set, things like that. You know, the gap between the Power Five, which again, the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, that, that group versus everybody else, mm-hmm. and no disrespect to Mike Oresco, the American Athletic Conference that keeps barking about Power yep. Six. You can call whatever you want to call it. But the gap, the financial gap between those five and everybody else is only going to get wider. Uh, I would tell you, based on the media rights deals, one in, coming up in about, huh. in about, I don't know, three weeks with the Big Ten when they announce a billion-dollar media right, you could possibly right. see a gap between the Big Ten, the SEC, and everybody else. But those five leagues are not going to be broke. They're not going to go poor. They're nope. not going to be able to put bread on the table. They're going to be just fine. It's everybody else that needs to be concerned. And it goes back to what Jack Swarbrick said, that, hey, that divide, we may end up getting between 40 and 50 teams playing big-time college football. It doesn't mean everybody else goes away. I mean, you'll play whatever it turns into be. But I, I've been saying this for the last five or six years on radio, and I still believe what Jack said the other day is spot on. I think that is the path that we're going down. And it would not surprise me in the least, Wes, that we get to that point there are going to be some folks in Power 5 leagues that start taking inventory amongst their own league and say, really, what do you bring to the table when it comes to big-time college football or basketball or whatever the case may be when it comes to revenue? That, that is the world that we're now getting ready to walk into, and you better be prepared for it as a fan. Absolutely, because it's not going to be easy. Whatever happens on this is not going to be easy. And let me tell you, there have been a lot of misturns in the road that created all this. And we'll keep kind of, you know, talking about those too because if we don't learn from the misturns, then the road you're going to continue on will be arguably just as bumpy. But uh, I'm looking forward to talking to folks who follow this stuff closer like Matt Brown and things of that nature, but also talking to administrators about this too because they don't get this fixed. We're in for a really bumpy go. Sit tight. More to come. Uh, In fact, a big day ahead for the ACC. What to watch tonight? Coming up on Packer News. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Superstar Charlotte North going to be on the show tomorrow. How about that? Big time. Yeah. Lock and load for the GOAT tomorrow at 930 on this Packer and Durham program. It is a full show, too, because Luke Gold joins us from Chestnut Hill, too. Arguably one of the uh, top amateur baseball players in the college game. Louisville coach Dan McDonald follows him at 845. Pete DeMore of uh, the meteoric rise of Virginia Tech softball at 915, too. How about all that? that? That's That's a full uh, show tomorrow. That might be one of our better ones tomorrow. There's there's some A-listers tomorrow for sure. You know, that uh, softball tournament next week is going to be intriguing, isn't it? Five teams in the top 25, (laughs) and you've got serious star power 
uh, at the top with that the Virginia Tech Florida State thing, and they're not the only two either. It's going to be good. That's that's correct. And tonight, by the way, Florida State and Florida at seven o'clock on ESPNU, final home game of the uh, regular season, final home regular season game of the year for uh, for Lonnie Almeida's team, who's forty five and five. 16 wins over RPI, top 25 teams, the most in the country, and they're 29-0 and non-conference heading into that final game. You see Syracuse at Cornell, Louisville at UIC, the Flames, 6.30 tonight on the softball schedule. Kind of uh, like Florida the way – Florida State can sweep Florida for the first time in uh, 16 years with a win tonight, by the way. I was going to say, I, I just like the way Lonnie schedules. I mean, not only does she have a great team, great program, but they go play people. We had her on the show last week when the yeah, uh, green superintendent was bothering our interview because she was out on the back porch and they were uh, you know, doing all the mowing on the golf course. But, you know, they knocked off uh, Oklahoma State twice last week, two to one, both games. Uh, and OK State was ranked, I think, seventh in the country. They play folks. So it's like, right. hey, all right, Florida's in town. Cool. Let's go beat the Gators. So should be great. But, man, Florida State, Virginia Tech, uh, man, that's going to be those two going in the next week. And, of course, Duke's rocking and rolling. Right. you got uh, Notre Dame-Clemson. Uh, softball tournament next mm-hmm. week will be out of sight. It'll be excellent. All right. Before we get out of here, I, I gave you and I told you so a moment ago with Jim Phillips, right? How about Dabo Sweeney with, and Nick Saban with I told you so's, Packer? What, three weeks ago? Yeah, and those guys, even though they said different things, they were meaning the same exact deal. And, of course, Nick Saban was looked upon, oh, thank God he said something. Dabo, of course, some people in the media, you can figure out who it was uh, with the agendas and all their own narratives. Uh, Dabo's an idiot. What is he talking about? Hey, they're all preaching the same thing. Same thing with Lane Kiffin. Right. Same thing with Ryan Day. Same thing with Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. These guys have a front row seat at the biggest table. They know what's going on. So when they say things, for folks to be taking cheap shots, it's like, hey, here's an idea. Shh, listen what they're saying. It makes a lot of sense, and pay attention. Man, it's unbelievable how volatile this has gotten, isn't it? I mean – I guess we kind of could have predicted some of this, but the fact that it's all flipped so fast and, and literally, and I, I said at the top today, I don't know if Jordan Addison ends up becoming the Kurt Flood of college football, but it's something now. This this is the one that has has kind of bubbled everything up to the top seemingly very fast, Mark. Well, it's amazing that name, image, and likeness uh, debuted, if you will, July 1st, 2021. And here we are, fast forward the clock, 10 months, 10 months, and look where we are. And we still have no rules or regulation in place. And again, whether you want to go NIL and discuss this, or you're talking about the transfer portal, and here we are, we got more rules in the NFL and the NBA than we do college athletics as far as free agency goes. It just doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. It's really embarrassing right. that we find ourselves in this position. Yeah. Uh, as we said a moment ago, we got a full Thursday show for you with Luke Gold, Dan McDonald, Pete Demore, and Charlotte North. Our thanks to Matt Brown from uh, Extra Points, uh, extrapointsmb.com, if you need to uh, see how you can be a part of that newsletter. Gabby Sanchez, ACC baseball analyst, and Brian Penske, the new women's soccer coach at Florida State. Our congratulations to him and look forward to many more with you, sir. Uh, Drew, Casey, Chrissy did yeoman's work today because we were on the high wire again. Thanks to everybody. We'll see you in the morning at 7. 
Packer and Durham right here on the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. Have a great day. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.